This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Come May 11th, COVID-19 will no longer be considered a disaster or a public health emergency in Illinois. Governor J.B. Pritzker made that announcement last week after word came from President Biden that two COVID national emergencies will end that same day. To provide some context, we are joined by Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease expert with Dooley Health and Care. Welcome back, doctor. Hey, Sasha. So what was your initial reaction to hearing that the White House was ending the public health emergency that's related to COVID? You know, we knew this was coming. There was some talk about it coming at the end of 2022, but there was whispers of, are we going to see a big winter surge? Are we going to see these numbers come up? Maybe end of 2022 is just not the right timing in terms of typical fall and winter viral seasons in general. So we knew it was coming. Um, now we have a line in the sand. It's good that it didn't happen overnight with some immediate announcement, and we can prepare for this a little bit because there's a lot of moving parts that are going to happen in the next couple of months. So uh, we were chatting about the uh, news that the White House came out with about the public emergency ending. I was touching on the fact that you, you mentioned a winter surge with COVID, and I was reflecting on the fact that we didn't really see that this time around as compared to last year. Or is it we too didn't. early? <laughs> you know, I mean, we are still seeing these little ripples where we have case numbers come up and then they go back down. You know, there's a few more cases I'm seeing in the hospital today versus where I was last week, but nothing like what we saw in 2021 and 2022. So much different. And we're in a far better place to start to entertain a wind down of a lot of these uh, governmental you know, supplements that we've been receiving and we've been experiencing over the last several years. So when he made his announcement, Governor Pritzker was quick to say that he doesn't believe the pandemic is over and that COVID is still a concern. What do you think? COVID is absolutely still a concern. We've just reached a point where we have all the available resources in terms of uh, testing and treatments and, you know, uh, ability to get vaccinated to try and protect ourselves the best as possible. Things are going to change when we no longer have funding for a lot of these measures, but they are accessible. They're accessible now to all of us. And it's time to start preparing for what we're going to do when the page does turn in May uh, so that we have uh, resources available in case we do become ill. So I, I keep an eye on the, the number of people dying from COVID in the U.S. from time to time, and it looks like it's remaining in the hundreds of people every day still. So what do we know about who's dying from covid Three years into this pandemic. <laughs> Three years into this pandemic, Man. it does seem to be more of the same. Um, it's, it's usually our elderly patients or people that are immune suppressed, um, often people that are unvaccinated or undervaccinated still. Uh, many folks uh, were really quick to get out and get those initial vaccines, but haven't been boosted in a while. And the truth uh, that we are seeing as providers is folks that stay up to date on all of their available boosters tend to have less severe courses. That's not an absolute, but in general, we're seeing people that have very little reserve uh, that uh, are becoming the most impacted by becoming ill with COVID. So let's be clear, lifting the public health emergency status for Illinois, what does that mean? What changes are we going to see in the Chicago area? So I think the biggest changes are always these things uh, disproportionately impact those who are uh, underserved in our communities. So Folks who receive Medicaid, CHIP benefits, they may fall through the cracks altogether and lose benefits and not even realize that they are 
going to be losing them. So it's very important that if you are a Medicaid recipient, uh, we've sort of had this continuous coverage protection over the last three years, knowing that COVID in the heat of COVID was going to be such a tremendous, um, you know, have an impact on individuals. We, you know, allowed these, these folks to continue with their Medicaid coverage without having to renew, without having to go through mounds of paperwork, et cetera. And that's going to end. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at the possibility of tens and hundreds of thousands of people in Illinois potentially losing Medicaid coverage. So that's a big one. And for those who are on Medicare or commercial insurances, we're potentially looking at the end of the freebies, the end of free testing, the end of free treatments, the end of free vaccines. So there's some uh, talk that vaccine costs can be as much as 100 to $120 per dose. Um, and that's going to be on us uh, where we're going to have to share in some of the costs moving forward. The Associated Press reports that after the emergency ends, the federal government's response to COVID-19 will be restructured to be treated as endemic. So as someone on the infectious disease side of, of medicine, what changes in treating an endemic illness? You know, it's it's all treated the same way. When a, an individual becomes sick with something that is endemic or pandemic, we have the available uh, treatment and management strategies um, at our disposal. The difference in definition when we're talking about pandemic and endemic is a pandemic is essentially an endemic in many countries simultaneously. And what we have uh, effectively are many, many countries that now have a handle on what's been going on. So the day-to-day functions more like an endemic. History will show us that this pandemic in some contexts will last many, many, many years longer than the present, because we will still see strains of coronavirus and of COVID that persist for decades or more, just like we still see strains from pandemic influenza Mm -hmm. from 1918. They're still here. They're still with us. They're still circulating. Mm. So that is going to, you know, exist in perpetuity. So we are stuck now with the reality that we have to kind of keep things managed and put out small fires in different communities, keep an eye on the strains and as they are changing and mutating and seeing what we have to do in terms of keeping ourselves vaccinated, see what happens with commercial insurances and their ability to cover or supplement some of the costs moving forward with the government being able to supplement that being removed. Well, as the emergency status of the pandemic ends, doctor, what prevention do you recommend to the average listener? Well, we only have 15% of Americans that have received the latest bivalent booster. So whether you've had the original two doses, whether you've had two doses and the first booster and you just let that second one or third one go, everyone should receive the latest of what's around. If everyone can get a bivalent booster prior to May, you should have had it already, but let's work on getting it prior to the end of availability so that this doesn't become cost prohibitive, that's going to be on the top of the list. We also do have some ability right now to get fully reimbursed home tests available. Now, they do expire over time, but grabbing a stockpile of them while you're still eligible to do so for free is going to be a lot better than having to scramble and get some potentially toward the end of 2023 to have on hand in the fall 
at cost to yourself. And then, you know, kind of being prepared for some flexibility in masking and social distancing, depending on what your own risk factors are. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be attending, you know, large crowded events, or if you have certain vulnerabilities and are concerned about your exposure risk, all of that will come into play as this year rolls through. I'm curious, as we leave this emergency status, any thoughts about resources that we've set aside to be prepared for another COVID? Like, would we be better prepared? I hope so. I mean, those of us that work in public health and that study epidemiologic trends, we knew that this was coming. Uh, We knew that something was overdue in terms of a respiratory global pandemic. And here it's happened. Statistically, something this big shouldn't happen again and again and again. It's kind of a once in a lifetime, once in a career uh, event, I hope. Um, There could be something different, of course. And a lot of the infrastructure that we have gained in a lot of the emergency preparedness should translate well to the next big thing unless too much time passes and then history is doomed to repeat itself. So we can look back at a lot of things we've learned and hopefully use those moving forward. In our last couple minutes, while I have you, Dr. Beyond COVID, in the past week, the city of Chicago actually announced a new 911 response team. It's called the opioid response team. And instead of police officers responding to overdoses, you'll have a paramedic and a so-called recovery specialist. Your thoughts? I think this is great. We have a a huge opioid epidemic in our country. We have for a long time, and it's good that we are continuing this dialogue. Having individuals that are specially trained to deal with individuals who are overdosing and who are at risk for overdose to be able to quickly intervene is life-saving. We have the ability to train people to use Narcan, to use medications, to rapidly reverse opioid uh, overdoses. And I think that having a subset of individuals ready to respond with a 911 call similar to what we've already had established for certain mental health emergencies is going to be really well received. Many people are afraid to speak openly about struggling with a drug addiction um, between you know p- people they know because of shame, right? Would the ambiguity of the service you think make people more comfortable talking about their truth? I hope so. And I also hope that you know, especially in communities that are hardest hit from opioids in the Chicagoland area, uh, Garfield Park and Humboldt Park, and those areas that have the highest incidence of issues. The spread of the knowledge that these resources exist will, you know, take the ambiguity of it away. And folks will know that they have the ability to reach out and the ability to, you know, have help when needed and to help their loved ones when needed. Family members and people that are close to individuals who have opioid problems and opioid addiction can receive a supply of Narcan to have on hand for themselves and and be trained to use it for their loved ones. And these are life-saving interventions and they're going to be so critical. And You know, just like any other health issue, this is a serious health issue. And there are means to uh, make sure that these individuals are as safe as they possibly can be. We'll leave it there. That's Dr. Mia Teramina with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sasha.